Marxism is everywhere. It is all around us. You can see it when you look out your window, or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when others are too afraid to speak their mind. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. I offer you a choice, a choice between two worlds. Take the blue pill and continue living in the world of complacency and indifference. Or take the red pill. Join us in a world where patriots come together to fight for freedom. What the elites don't want you to know is that there are 200,000 open committee man seats in the Republican Party. These party members are the ones who determine the future of the GOP. The precinct strategy will teach you what it takes to help elect America First candidates who share your love of country and a vision for a better America. Will you take the blue pill and continue living in a world where a corrupt few control everything? Or will you take the red pill and join us? Let's take our country back, one precinct at a time. Choose wisely. Your future depends on it. Sign up at precinctstrategy.com now. Welcome back. It's another episode of the Professor Penn Podcast. David Penn, your guest host. Filling in again for Royce White, who's on his way back from Miami, where the power had the power. They had the power on Sunday, prevailing against the Ghost Ballers for uh, you know bringing their record to four to one. Very exciting. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, I'm uh, really excited to have Royce come back. He'll be uh, podcasting. He'll be joining you here later this week, and uh, we're going to continue to work together to fill in for him as he uh, pursues this uh, very exciting season of the Big Three. I want to take this uh, opportunity to, as always, thank Free People Radio for giving us this platform to have this community with you. Tireget.com, our first sponsor. 14,000 different kinds of tires in stock, everything you need for your vehicles, and it's a win-win when you buy your tire from Tireget.com you're not only getting what you need at the right price, but you're funding the movement and supporting this broadcast. And nothing could be more important than that because we're the truth media. We're searching for the truth. We have to have an alternative street corner because if all we do is listen to the legacy media, whoa, narrative, they have a story. And if we don't push back on that story or provide some alternative explanations of what we see going on, hey, Minions, we're all going to end up as minions. We will all end up as minions. And that's something I would like to see us, the American citizens, avoid. And then we're talking about these sponsors, our new sponsors like MyBookie.com and GhostBed. This is the patriot economy. I know I repeat myself, but you know, when we know, we'll know when it's working. We will know when it's working. And we're asking you to make it work. Truth Media, supported by the Patriot Economy, is going to equal freedom. Freedom. Not slavery. They have inserted slavery where the word freedom and the feeling freedom and the idea of freedom was supposed to be. We'll talk about that today. How do we how do we get going here at you know at the fundamental level for the hardcore warriors out there? And you're out there. 
the warriors, the people that are ready to get in there and get the, 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 get the job done. Precinctstrategy.com. Precinctstrategy.com. A tutorial for all you need to get in the game of politics. Get off the bench, get in the game, and put your will in the equation of the future. There's so much going on. <laughs> the please call me crazy audience. Hey, you know, it's called crazy making behavior, actually. This level of uh, perturbation, of continuous crisis, of uh, information that's contradictory, you know, this makes you crazy. It's called crazy make by our psychologists, another group of elites that are gatekeepers. They call it crazy making behavior. And, uh, you know, their, their goal in, in their therapy is to make people, uh, you know, in a, in a more normal track, you know, conform, conform. Some of us, though, the, the Red Pill Brigade, we don't want to do that. We actually enjoy taking that red pill and call me crazy. Please call me crazy. You know, Royce has that as a title of his podcast. It's so appropriate because we're still at a point in American history that if you hold certain ideas, concepts, you're going to be vilified, vilified. For example, I want to jump ahead just for a second. It's new news, and it's so interesting. I'll probably come back to it. But uh, there was a um, very prominent Nobel Prize winner and uh, he would, won the Nobel, Nobel Prize in physics. And uh, he actually came out. His name is uh, Dr. John Clauser, 2022 Nobel Physics Laureate. He slammed the climate emergency narrative as a dangerous corruption of science that threatens the world's economy and the well-being of billions of people. Wow. That kind of undermines the narrative when a Nobel Prize winner, and not in poetry, in physics, someone that knows how to add, subtract, multiply, and divide, critically think, comes out and says, oh, this is a con. We're going to talk about the con today, the con. Guess what happened to him when he came? This is a very, very, uh, you know, accomplished, you know, how much more accomplished can you be? than winning the Nobel Prize for Physics. It's kind of the sine qua non of accomplishment, right? So he immediately uh, was abruptly canceled and was removed from an event that was being held by the International Monetary Fund. He was due to speak uh, this past Thursday. The title of his talk was Let's Talk, How Much Can We Trust the IPCC Climate Predictions? And guess what? They canceled him. You know, so please call me crazy. Please call me crazy as the narrative breaks down. We'll come back to Dr. Clauser. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for creating the light and the dark. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for creating me in your image. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for making me an American. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for making me free. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for healing the blind. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for feeding the people. 
Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for releasing the bound. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for raising up the downtrodden. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for creating the heavens and the earth. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for providing for all my needs. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for directing my path. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for our American courage. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for crowning America with glory. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for restoring strength to the weary. Thank you for joining me in that prayer. And I do this for my own well-being. And I mean it when I pray. And I hope I, I'm transmitting my feeling about this more and more. You know, I'm praying with you publicly. Now, prayer, you know, it has a public dimension when we go to a, a public service. But prayer is a, you know, for me, this is just, this is my perspective. I pray all the time. And uh, it's very private for me. And I get a lot of insights when I pray. A lot of things come to me. And, you know, I'm not... I guess I am. I'm suggesting that if you pray and you give over to it, that's the red pill. You know what it, what, what's been said, what was said in the New Testament by Jesus Christ, the truth shall set you free. The truth shall set you free. And I've said this, and I'll say it again. I used to think, well, if I can figure out the truth, that must mean I go to heaven. No, it complete misreading the text by me as a young person. All it means is I can see the scam, the con. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That's the central piece of today. And I'm going to give my, because it's like a new insight. They're actually running a classic con game on me. And on you, a classic con game. You know, we call it a scam, but there's actually a form to a con, a form, a form. There's a form to a con game. You know, I'll refer you back to the movie The Sting. Tanner, do you know the movie The Sting? I have not watched it, no. Did you watch The Godfather over the weekend? I was very busy this weekend. Sorry, three hours was not available for me. Oh, okay. Well, let me tell you something. We're staying after this Godfather. We're going we're gonna to try to get a piece of it in the in the podcast today and see if we can get by the, the censors. But, you know, we, we really want to get into some of this source material. So now, now we got Tanner on the spot. I bet he's going to watch it because it's embarrassing. He gave him a homework assignment. He did not, you know, I'm kind of the boss, so we're going to come back to it. Anyhow, I'm fun to work for because I understand people are at different places. They're working at different speeds. And let us hope we're all doing our best. Today we have to do our best. We have to put our goodness into the game because, you know, evil and bad things are proliferating. And I, I say that the number one thing we can do is be good. Just be good. Well, I want to get into this, uh, this big three thing. I want to do a little big three because uh, Royce was uh, the star of the game. He was the high scorer, led, the, led his team. Let's play this... Um, this clip from uh, the game this past Sunday where the uh, uh, power uh, beat the Ghost Ballers very resoundingly. Please run that for us. We are in Miami inside the Caseya Center, and it is time for the 
biggest game of the day. Power, they are powered by these two guys, Royce White and Glenn Rice Jr. Let's start with Royce White. Well, he'll hit you with power. You know, then Rice will come over the top with a little bit more finesse and shoot the basketball. But two extremely tough players to keep in front, and they force you to help, and that's when you can kick it out and get some open shots. Royce White working on Johnson. Talk about that power. Oh, gave him a shoulder. Good knock away by Johnson, and Taylor banks it home. Here's Rice for four. Yes! Oh, money. Now sitting baseline. Many battles against... Unfortunately, against him, I had. <laughs> These are two playoff-level teams, right? So you want to make sure that every possession matters. One-point lead for the Ghost Ballers. White for three! Kick out. Simmons! Down the lane! My goodness! Pump fake. Poor closeout. Taco Bell bring the fire. Glenn Rice Jr. Garcia, Rice oh. with the left hand. It gets the bump and the two points. And just like that, we will head to the half. Power on top of the Ghost Bowlers by four. Oh, tried to knock it off Cat. He got it and dishes the TJ Klein, Katino Mobley. Royce uses that body again. Nope. Taylor puts it up and in. Got that one. And the cat is purring here in Miami. It, it, it really does. Here's <laughs> Akil Mitchell. To Garcia. Ooh, gave him a shoulder. Yeah, he did. Fades and knocks it down. A slip right there. Brian was talking about. Oh, knocked away by Garcia to Chris Johnson, who rocks the rim. Back to Rice. Wide open three. Money. Royce White with the left hand. Here's Mike Taylor. Pulling it for three. Yes, Mike Taylor. Here's Klein to White for the win, yes! Power, now the top team in the big three with that victory. Okay, well you heard it right there. Power's up on top of the league, four and one. Can't beat it. It was great. Royce scored the last four points for the power. He was dominant in the game. You know, the Ghost Ballers were a big team, and Royce really used his his power and his size to push those big men aside. And actually, the power really dominated the Ghost Ballers. It wasn't even close. Looked closer than it actually was. Again, two, two weekends in a row. Uh, next week, game, this will be week six. The uh, power is going to play the, I think it's the enemies. And the enemies are three and two, so it'll be a, a potential for another great epic game. And I'm just going to say that uh, for those of us that are laying bets on this stuff and getting some skin in the game, why not? Make it a little bit more fun. You know, the, the season, you know, it's, 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 it's peaking out now. So from the biggest games to the smallest moments, you can make every bet worth your while with my bookie. 
And if you're asking yourself why you choose my bookie, I've been there. The website is really frictionless. It's really customer friendly, customer friendly. How important you cannot beat customer friendly. And I'll tell you how friendly they are. You put down a hundred dollar bet and you're going to get six times your money back on that deal. Now, I suppose the odds are going to change because the power is uh, looking pretty dominant here. So you better get there quick and see what you can get in here for a return on your investment. You go there and you put in promo code Royce. That's promo code Royce. And you're going to get yourself some extra funds redeemable all the way up to $1,000. Promo code Royce. Let's get in to mybookie.com, a patriot economy company that's supporting the movement. And we're going to support this company. And that's that great circulation we're looking to establish because truth media and the patriot economy equals freedom. And what could be more important than freedom? It's fundamental to our well-being. Let's talk about the strategy. The strategy. When I call it the strategy, I notice that when I hang around with people in the Republican Party, they have so many secrets, like they got the nuclear codes. The nuclear codes. That's all this proprietary information and all these secrecy oaths. You know, they're just creating a, mm, some buzz around nothing. Sometimes people create, you know, the secret society concept to convince their followers that there's something special when, in fact, there's nothing there at all. And that's where we're at right now with the party. Now, for the people, for the people that want to contribute to saving this republic, to preserving our currency and our net worth and our freedom, and what makes us Americans, what makes us Americans preserving that, we got to follow a strategy. And this strategy, uh, you know, I put this forth in the uh, spirit of to have a good idea, you have to have lots of ideas, and you're going to have ideas too. The fundamental building block of this strategy is there's something for everybody. It doesn't matter where you are in your spectrum of political activity. From someone that's very meagerly involved or modestly involved to someone like me that's full-time involved. There's something for everybody to do. But really, the, the, the core of what the Please Call Me Crazy uh, podcast when the Professor Penn sitting is about is trying to get everybody activated. We have to get activated because our elites have control of the levers of power. They're moving us towards a cataclysm. I think we agree about that. If we don't, you come into the live chat and tell me about it. I, you know, I know people see it different ways. I got a lot of people that I run to run into in my age in the Republican Party. They think everything's going great, and I know these people are just insane. In fact, I've kind of lost my patience with them. I'm calling them ignorant. I called a guy ignorant, you know, straight up ignorant. Because if you don't know the source material and you're not keeping up with the facts and you have an opinion, that's an ignorant opinion. Now, you're still entitled to an opinion, but you're an ignorant. We have to get educated. we got to take our red pills. We've got to take our red pills. we got to take them. That's it. The blue pill swilling sons of Hey, they're going to get us killed. That's a beep, okay? One of the things that I'm trying to do and I'm doing it because we're going, we're going to a mass audience now. I'm trying to welcome everybody in. 
which means my tone, my presentation, the way I'm given ideas, I'm trying to be a little bit less inflammatory because I get all this feedback that people are not ready, can't handle it. Well, this audience can. And when I look at the overall um, playing field, I have to say, there's no time to go slowly. we got to move at full speed. But there's no reason for me to swear. I want to do everything I can to welcome you in. But, you know, you know who we are, right? We're not pulling any punches here at Please Call Me Crazy. We're just making it accessible. Let's leave it that way. Okay, got to have a lot of ideas. I got a lot of ideas. Everybody's got a role in this fight. Everybody. Here's some ideas. The most important idea, in my opinion, is to be a good person. Seems a little strange, but if we're in a spiritual battle, which I think we are, the most important step we have to take is to move from narcissism to altruism. And that's not easy for people to do because people are very self-interested. You know, I've got people that love me, like Mrs. Professor Penn. She gave me a long di- you know, lesson, a long uh, discourse this weekend on people are self-interested. And of course they are. Of course they are. But that is a cultural expectation. Comes out of the Darwinian concept of survival of the fittest. And Sir Thomas Malthus that we have a limit on food relative to population. So everybody's competing for dwindling resources. So everybody's self-interested. And they fence that as a genetic trait, as if it's the only genetic trait that's out there. But we've talked about Kropotkin, who at the same time as Darwin, came up with the idea of altruism, that humans come together into groups and they're mutually supportive to survive as a group. We've got two poles here. We've got a yin and a yang. They're both functioning. It's where on that polarity we choose to align as a culture. Well, hasn't this every man for themselves thing been working well for us? This doesn't it look great? <laughs> Whoa. I mean, we don't even have professional professionals. Our professionals don't even have the ethics anymore to profess in, in their quest for truth. People are on the payroll. They're self-interested. I get it. But we as a culture can move towards altruistic. There was a great philosopher who said, if I am not for myself, then who will be? But if I am only for myself, what am I? I'm going to say it, I'm going to read it one more time. It's, it's, it's an interesting polarity. If I am not for myself, then who will be? But if I am only for myself, what am I? Politics requires a certain amount of not being only for yourself. Well, that's not true either. Please let me correct myself. Our current politics as prosecuted by the people in control, is all about them. They're running a con on us. We're going to come back and talk about it. I have to remind myself of this because all of us are caught up in the illusion that our elites are doing things for everybody. They're just not. They're conning us, a classic con game. What we have to do is take back the levers of power from them 
through this strategy and establish a culture in a politics that's a, you know tilted towards everyone and not be caught up in this failed ideology that goes back to the 1880s to the British business model of slavery, drugs, and piracy. In other words, it's all about me and nothing for thee. And you know, to these people, it's up yours time. We have to pray and study. I said that earlier in the podcast. If we're ignorant, if we're just ignorant, we get a we get a vote when we're ignorant. We get an opinion when we're ignorant. It's just not very valuable. The time we devote to study, like watching the podcast or reading a book or praying, seeking information, this is critical time. We all must, I think, for our well-being, designate some time where we investigate and we explore. I remember Tanner. Tanner went up north of the Boundary Waters. Did you not lay on your back and look at the Milky Way? Yeah. That was kind of an exploration, wasn't it? Definitely. I saw a lot of stars that I never even knew I could see when you're that far away and there's no more light pollution. There's a lot that I discovered that I just had no clue about. Isn't that interesting? When you lay back and you get away from the pollution, the thought pollution, you'll see a lot of things you can't normally see. That's a metaphor for study. I sh- you know, we did not coordinate this. It gives me a lot of hope. <laughs> I mean, this is beautiful. What Tanner said was he laid back, he was far enough away from the light pollution of the city, and when he looked up, he saw a lot of stars that he normally couldn't see and didn't know were there. That's what study's all about. It's getting the pollution that's between our ears cycled out through prayer, through prayer, through study. And I'm intimating in the sense that those two things are related and quite similar. You know, when I work out physically, I get my best insights because I've been able to create a a methodology in my own way or Tao, as the Chinese would say, our Chinese brothers, the Tao, the way. My way includes the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the natural way from the Asian philosophical tradition. I merged them all together because I've studied all three modalities all my life. So I've been able to put that together. That's what uh, faith is all about. You know, people say, okay, have faith. Great, I'm faithful. But the more you invest in your faith, your skill with your faith increases. And if you're young, let's say you're 20 years old and you're watching, or 30 years old, when you start early, you have more time to create your own faith connections. Let's say you're 60. Hey, you're never too old to grow a set of principles. So wherever we are on the life cycle, when we start to invest in creating faith for ourselves, we're building connections that inform us, uplift us, give us hope, give us strength. And I know this. So for those of you who are unsure, just take the first step. This is a process, what the Chinese called a gong. You know, gong fu or kung fu, you know, kung fu, that's how we, it's gong, daily ritual. In other words, these martial, you know, 
virtuosos that we see that pop up and do these movies. They've been practicing something every day for decades, and they show us their skills in a movie as a marker to say, this is what human beings can become. Should we do the same thing every day? In other words, our habits become our character, and our our character becomes our destiny. Our habits become our character, and our character becomes our destiny. Let's do ritualistic things every day as if we are in a secret society, which we are, because we enter the prayer, practice, study world, take a little time away from Instagram, take a little time away from the Internet, take a little time away from mindless pursuits, and actually invest ourselves and teach ourselves what were called the secrets of the ages. And when we do that, we might find out that we want to be in the precinct strategy. The precinct strategy. We may join a political party. This is part of the strategy. Some of us in this audience are going to jump up and we're going to say, wow, I've been listening to Royce White. I've been listening to Professor Penn. I want to get involved in my political party. We're going to help you do that. And when you get involved in your political party, you're going to help bring back sacred honor to the parties. Because guess what? Without honor, it's a morning without sunshine. You know, it's just get up and get screwed. But when American citizens go into these parties and bring back honor to the process, hey, we're healing this country, and that's critical. But there's other things we can do. You know, there's a thing called crowdsourcing. You know what it is, and if you don't, all it is is you taking the content that you enjoy or the ideas that you discover and sharing them with all your contacts and asking them to share it with their contacts. This is how we're going to spread out information that's going to change the country. We have technological means. Now, we tend to be rather passive, and we like to watch and consume information, but You're a force multiplier. You can take the information and send it out to everybody you know. And you get to be an editor. You get to pick the information that you send out because it reflects who you are and what you think is important. That's a vote. You're actually voting about what people are looking at, the people in your circle, your web. You know, we have this worldwide web. It's a technology the World Wide Web is the human beings, the family of man, and our connections. So use those connections. Use those technological links to spread out your humanity as you see fit. That's powerful. That's power. You want to talk about power? You're an editor. Use your human agency. There are street protests. You know, this is something I find very interesting. 20 years ago, people were out in the streets. I remember during the 2000 and Bush period when the junior Bush went off on this wilding in the Middle East, the left was in the streets. They were in the streets. Code Pink, remember these people? They were out protesting this globalist adventure in the Middle East. But now because we got the Democrat Party off on a wilding in the Ukraine, nobody's protesting. These people are hypocrites. Do you understand what hypocrite means now in the New Testament? It's more than just going against yourself. It's going against yourself 
at a level of undermining the faith. If you're anti-war under a Republican regime, which is a uniparty regime, how can you not be anti-war under a Democrat uniparty regime? You're a hypocrite. Let the hypocrites in your world know they're hypocrites. Hold them accountable in a very loving and very straight way and ask them to go into the streets and start protesting again. Hey, I remember when you protested, Mrs. So-and-so. Where are you today? Where are you today? Why are you not in the streets today? Let For those of us that are willing to go into the street and protest this war and hold up a sign that says, why? Please do so. And then there's the letter writers. These are all strategies that every one of us can use. I can't do them all. I'm giving all my time to the things I'm doing. I'm asking you to find something or ideas I'm not even mentioning here to get you into this political process. Letter writing. You know, if you don't know who your elected representatives are, you can find out. It will take you a very short period of time to go onto the Internet and figure out who's representing you. And when you figure out who's representing you in your federal elected positions, your senator, you have a congressperson, you live in a congressional district, you live in a congressional district, there is one congressperson who's in Washington that represents your district. There are two senators in your state that represent you. So you have three federal representatives in the Congress. Of course, then there's the president. We're going to have a presidential election in 2024. Please don't get mad at me if you know all this stuff. Please, because we have American citizens that are not clear about these things. And we have to give them our time because they may want to work to preserve the republic. And because people are not civically educated, they don't know how our government works. They don't know who represents them. And this is painful for me, painful. So I just want to take a minute and say you have two senators in your state that you get to vote for, and you can communicate with both of them, and you have one congressperson that you can communicate with. You find out who they are, you find their websites online, and you can communicate with them every day. Every day you can send them an email that says, Dear Senator so-and-so, I, your constituent, am opposed to the funding of the war in the Ukraine. Please stop. You know, if a million people sent that email today, the funding for the war would stop. Because, you know, these people, they don't want to give up their job in show business. Think about what you do and I do for a living. When I get done with the Professor Penn podcast, I got to go to my day job. You know, this is my, my passion. I got another passion. It's my day job. I don't get paid for being Professor Penn. I get paid for being a business person. That's hard work. I go to work. You go to work. We're not getting paid in our work life for being who we are. We're getting paid for what we do. But these people in the Congress, they're getting paid to be kind of like movie stars. They don't have to do that much. It's a good job. They don't want to lose that job. So when you start writing them, and you start saying, hey, I don't like this war, I have children, or I don't like this war, I am a child, or whatever the case may be, however you do it in your own inimitable style. 
It matters. Write those letters. Use cash. I said this before. People go, what the hell are you talking about? I'm talking about using cash because what they're heading for is a financial crisis where they're going to give us a digital currency, and when that happens, it's game over. Tyranny is going to be in complete and total control, and we're going to have to come up with a whole new set of strategies. Right now, we got a chance to stop this. Gum up their play, carry cash. Have one extra credit card, don't use it. And when you start paying cash for everything that you purchase, you're they're just destroying their digital fantasy, and you're not going to be in debt. It's a twofer. It's a twofer. Write a, write a regular analog check. Get away from point and click. You know, this whole thing is about convenience. We're giving up our freedom for convenience, and here's the convenience. It takes real work to feel good, to pursue happiness. It's work, right? It's a daily gong. But hey, if you can get a material high, like a material high from our government without working, or if the government provides safety for you, isn't that convenient? You don't even have to provide your own safety. You don't have to provide for your own material high because the government provides it. Isn't that convenient? You don't have to provide for your own safety because the government allegedly provides it. That convenience at the price of your freedom. Is that a good trade, convenience for freedom? We need to think about that because apparently up till this point, most people thought, yeah, this is great. But now we're starting to figure out what the loss of freedom's all about. Maybe that's not such a good trade, right? I don't think so. And then we're going to support this patriot economy. Let's say we just get it down to that. You have money. You vote with your money every day. Support the people and the businesses that are supporting the movement. This is a choice. Again, it takes some mindfulness. These ideas, these are just ideas. have to have a lot of ideas to have a good idea. Find the ways that you can support this movement. Please, my freedom depends on it. And because I'm out front, my freedom depends on it. I hope you understand what I'm saying. My freedom depends. I'm asking. Nay, let me say, I'm pleading for your support. Thank you very much. Well, what is the parties? For those of us that want to get involved here, what are the parties? What do they do? Let's just take a little quick trip into that. Again, we, we had on the last podcast, I read a scene from The Godfather, a script. It's such a good scene. Please let me try to play it for you. Tanner, can you cue this Godfather clip up? You're not too tired, are you, Tom? Oh, I slept on a plane. Huh? Yeah, there's a lot of notes here. Now, Salazzo is known as the Turk. He's supposed to be very good with a knife, but only in matters of business with some sort of reasonable complaint. Uh, his business is narcotics. He has fields in Turkey where they grow the poppy. In Sicily, he has the plants to process them into heroin. Now he needs cash. He needs protection from the police, for which he gives a piece of the action. I couldn't find out how much. 
that the Thalia family is behind him here in New York. Now, they have to be in it for something. How about his prison, man? Two terms, one in Italy, one here. He's known as a top narcotics man. Santino, what do you think? There's a lot of money in that white powder. No? Well, I say yes. There's more money potential in narcotics than anything else we're looking at. Now, if we don't get into it, somebody else will. Maybe one of the five families, maybe all of them. Now, with the money they earn, they can buy more police and political power. Then they come after us. Now we have the unions, we have the gambling, and they're the best things to have. But narcotics is a thing of the future. Uh, if we don't get a piece of that action, we risk everything we have. I mean, not now, but 10 years from now. So? What's your answer going to be, Pop? There, Don Corleone. I need a man who has powerful friends. I need a million dollars in cash. I need Don Corleone, those politicians that you carry in your pocket, like so many nickels and dimes. What is the interest for my family? 30%. In the first year, your end should be three, four million dollars. And then it would go up. Now, what is the interest for the Tatali family? My compliments. I'll take care of the Tatalias. Out of my share. So, I receive 30% for finance, political influence, and legal protection. That's what you're telling me. That's right. Why do you come to me? Why do I deserve this generosity? If you consider a million dollars in cash, just finance, to salute, I'm calling I said that I would see you because I heard that you were a serious man to be treated with respect. But uh, I must say no to you. And I'll give you my reasons. It's true, I have a lot of friends in politics. But they wouldn't be friendly very long if they knew my business was drugs instead of gambling, which they regard as a, a harmless vice. But drugs is a dirty business. Oh, don't call it, it doesn't make any difference to me what a man does for a living, I understand. But uh, your business is... Uh, a little dangerous. If you're worried about security for your million, the Tatalias will guarantee it. Oh, are you telling me that the Tatalias guarantee our investment? Wait a I have a sentimental weakness for my children, and I spoil them, as you can see. They talk when they should listen. But anyway, Senor Sonotsum, I know it's final. And I wish to congratulate you on your new business. I know you do very well, and good luck to you. Especially since your interests don't conflict with mine. Thank you. That's good, Tanner. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, that's an iconic scene. And there's so much there 
to unpack, and I'm talking about the political parties, right? So watch The Godfather. It'll give you great insight into our current world. The Godfather reflects a organization of political economy of the United States of America that goes back in the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. By the 70s and 80s, uh, the U.S. government broke the mafia. And um, there's other mafias, but there's never been a an organized crime enterprise as well-organized and as influential in American society as the Italian mafia. And part of the, the, um, the allure of the mafia as portrayed in this movie is there's a code of conduct. They have rules. It's a secret society with rules. And that's very different than the kind of criminality where the only rule is it's only illegal if I get caught. That's a different kind of, uh, you know, criminality. This is a criminality with an ancient tradition that really is composed as a political economy, kind of a patriot economy of its own nature, in the sense that they had their own businesses, they had their own way of running things, and they were an alternative to government structures. They had their own government. They were a shadow government. And they were in, in kind of a um, cooperation, not kind of. They cooperated with the U.S. government. There was a relationship between the security state and the mafia. They worked together. This is well documented. It goes all the way back into World War II. That's when the cooperation started because, of course, these were Italians and Italy was under the rule of the fascists, first Mussolini and then the Germans, uh, Hitler. The Nazis uh, picked up where Mussolini fell short. And there was um, a need for tough, strong, brave men to work behind the lines as spies, as saboteurs, as assassins. And the OSS, the uh, precursor of the CIA, run by a gentleman named Wild Bill Donovan, liaisoned with the five families of the New York Mafia and they took some of their best and brightest and put them behind the lines there to do mayhem against the Nazis. I personally had a friend that did this work. Of course, I was quite young and he was quite old. I was in my early 30s and he was in his 80s. It was interesting. His last name was Capone, which, you know the name Al Capone? It really was Al Capone. If you don't, do you know who Al Capone was? Yeah, yeah. Great. I'm reassured by this. Al Capone was a great uh, hero of the criminal world. I'm not saying he was a great guy. I'm just saying he was a hero of the criminal world. I actually knew one of his family members from Sicily that lived in Minneapolis. And the guy went straight, you know, after the war. Please don't get me wrong. This guy was a straight guy. Actually, he was a, he was a university professor. And when I got to know him, he was in his early 80s and I was in my 30s. And he was one tough son of a still at that age. I remember one time I was uh, invited to a party at his, uh, at his compound. He had a compound. And uh, he'd been up cutting trees, limbs out of trees in preparation for this party. And he fell out of the tree. He fell a long way. He was at the party. He indicated he wasn't feeling wonderful. The next day, 
He went to the hospital with five broken ribs and a punctured, punctured lung. That's five broken ribs and a punctured lung, but he still held the party. Hey, that's some sacred honor, right? You're going to have a party come hell or high water. He called for it. He fell out of the tree. It was his own responsibility. And he decided that he was going to do the deal and only seek medical treatment after his responsibilities were complete. That is a player. And he let me know very quickly about what a dangerous person he was. And he was. We had some conflict. And I was forced to consider the relative merits of beating up a guy that was in his early 80s when I was at the peak of my power. Or having a guy that was, you know, in his 80s beat me up. Boy, how embarrassing was that? So we found a, we found a workaround between the two of us. But he was actually recruited by the security state, the OSS, and he was actually parachuted behind the lines. This is why I worried about fighting this guy, because he was parachuted behind the lines in Italy where he functioned for three years as an assassin. When he came out of the military, he was a professional boxer. These are the kind of people that really were very real people. And guess what he ended up teaching? Art. He became an art teacher, right? So we would call this kind of guy the hands of a butcher and the heart of a poet, a very, a very interesting kind of yin-yang. But I only tell this story because these mafia people were involved with the government. And when I say involved, I mean really involved to this day. When you see organized crime, the biggest organized crime family is the government, right? How does the government work? It provides protection, safety, and a material high in exchange for our loyalty. The, you know, this is the whole theme of the Godfather. This is why I'm dwelling into this. The Godfather, really that whole movie was about Don Coyone working his family towards being legitimate so they could actually wield the real reins of power, which is the U.S. government. That's the implicit theme of the whole deal. And in this scene, in this scene, he talks about going into business and into the narcotics business with Salazzo, and Salazzo wants him in the business so that he can have access to the politicians that are the friends of the Don that he has in his pocket like so many nickels and dimes. That's the key right there. That's the key. And I'm going to juxtapose that with the modern parties. The modern parties, particularly the Republican Party, let's just speak about something I know real well the Republican Party of Minnesota, which at the end of June had $58 in the bank. That's not an accident. They're broke because guess what? All these American citizens are flowing into the party, and we want to be active in the party and turn the party into a, an effective political organization. And what's the response of the party? Starve us out. Make us ineffective. You know, it's not going to work because we have our own ideas. We are free American citizens. We're not writing off the Republican Party. We're getting involved in it. They act as if they own it. They don't own it. 
It's a numbers game. Now, it's critical that American citizens come into these parties and take them back from the power establishments that control them, bring back sacred honor into the party process so that the candidates are not in the pockets of outside organizations like so many nickels and dimes. That's the way it is today. Our candidates do not emerge from we the people. They emerge from moneyed interests that fund these candidates, and the loyalty of these candidates is guess where? To the people that pay the bill, the trolls that take them across the bridge from obscurity to a job in show business. And nobody wants to give up their job in show business because it's an easy job. These people go in, some of them, now some of them go in rich, okay? It's like a horse racing. Politics can be a rich man's pursuit. But oftentimes, we get very humble people that go into party politics with no money, or as they like to say in New York, bupkis, they don't have not. they have nothing. And you look at them eight or 12 years later, and they're worth eight, 10, 15, 20 million dollars. How did that happen when they were in public service? And that's called the con, the payoff, the payoff. So it is really critical for we the people to enter these parties. Not all of us. You might be writing letters. You might be protesting in the streets. You're definitely part of the crowdsourcing strategy where you're going to be an editor and send out your information that you choose, that you curate, that you think is important to all your friends and relatives, and then you're going to tell that to send it out to them. You will tell your friends and relatives, if you like this content, send it out to your network. And wow, very quickly, the culture is going to change. We can beat these people and stop them in their tracks. We can eliminate their negative, caustic, and evil influence on our culture. We can overthrow the business model of slavery, drugs, and piracy if we just pay attention to talking to each other. Wouldn't that be great? You know, like, go to a medical checkup and know that the information you're going to get there is going to heal you. It's going to be something that's wonderful for all of us. Go to a law, a law firm, go to an attorney, and have that attorney have sacred honor. Sacred honor spreads just like courage. We just need to demand it of everybody. We need to demand it of ourselves. Whatever job I'm in, the people that I work with when I'm you know, in business, when I have that businessman hat on, I have sacred honor for me, not for thee. I'm functioning with sacred honor. It doesn't matter how my counterparty is functioning. I'm striving to do the right thing. We can ensue the right thing. The great two precepts, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might, and treat your neighbor as you wish to be treated. If we can keep these two ideas central in our thinking, hey, the game's over. Right there, the game's over. Spread that out. But these parties need us because these parties have been taken over, taken over. We were out living our lives. I've said this the last podcast. We're out, you know, coaching our kids in baseball or taking trips or chasing money or enjoying the life that we had with our family. All legitimate things to do. The things that we would like to be able to do. But we missed one thing. We allowed the culture to change the nature of our political participation 
to voting every two years. I'm discharging my civic duty by voting. And most of the people didn't even vote. How crazy is that? That's not an accident. And that's not how the founding fathers envisioned this political process. They envisioned envisioned and set up a process where every American citizen was involved in politics through one of these ideas. We must, all of us, be involved. And after we take back control of our republic and restore sacred honor, we can't go back to the way it was, outsourcing our human agency, because the same evil will just creep back in. We have to change our political culture such that all of us, every American citizen realizes that there's a value to our citizenship and the cost of that citizenship value, that the cost of that benefit is our participation in our awareness of and our understanding of what's going on politically. It's not too much to ask, is it? For freedom? For freedom. You know, slavery on the one hand, freedom on the other. Are we starting to feel that they're turning us into, are we, is it dawning on you that they are intending to turn you into a digital slave? Is it dawning on you? If the answer is yes, there's many ways to get involved and oppose this. Tanner, is this dawning on your generation that there's a little bit of digital, digital tyranny breaking out here? Yeah, I think... The biggest fear with my generation, though, is a lot of them, like I had explained to you before, we kind of call ourselves the doomers, that a lot of my generation recognizes it's happening, and they're like, well, we're screwed. Like, I guess we'll just enjoy it while we have it. Yeah, lack of faith. You know, how do you turn a person into a doomer? You just remove all hope from them. We're talking about hopelessness. Hopelessness is a byproduct of faith. How do we develop our faith? We have to develop it through a process called Kung Fu, daily ritual. If we pray every day, like this prayer, thank you, God, for giving me faith. (laughs) Try that one if you're faithless. Just say it over and over again. Thank you, God, King of all worlds, for giving me faith. Give that one a whirl and stay with it as long as it takes. And I will guarantee you, I will guarantee it. I can guarantee this. If you stay with that prayer as long as it takes, you'll become faithful. You'll have the faith of a mustard seed. I'm guaranteeing this. What a statement that is. What a statement I'm making. Unlike, you know, a best price guarantee where I promise you 150% back of the difference, this is in the spiritual realm. You're just going to have to trust me. And please do. And what's your alternative? The con game. You can trust the faithful, or we can talk about the con, sometimes called the scam. A confidence trick or a confidence game is an attempt to defraud a person or group after first gaining their trust. Confidence tricks exploit victims using a combination of the victim's credulity, naivete, compassion, vanity, confidence, irresponsibility, and greed. Now there's a 
a research that's been done into this because this this confidence game or the con, the con, the con is actually a secret society where people practice certain techniques to achieve an outcome. I just said that if you pray, thank you, God, you know, master and king of all worlds for giving me faith, you know, you're going to have faith. And I said, you know, there's no money. There's no money penalty. All you can do is trust me. I must be conning you, right? What's my benefit? What's my benefit of conning you to have faith? Because the faith is going to set you free, and you're going to find your own truth. So what's my benefit in the deal? I don't get a benefit. I'm just sharing with you what I know to be a fact. But the con artists, the con artists, they have an outcome in mind. And here's their outcome. They want everything you have. Every dime, every dollar, every account, every asset, every freedom, and your life. They want it all. And that's because they come out of that British intellectual, these con artists that populate our institutions of higher learning. You know, some of these sons of know they're con artists. They know it. These people are evil. Many of them don't know it. They're just in on the scam by taking money. They're associates or familiars, you might call them. They're familiars of the vampires that they work for, and they're in on this con just because they're in on the payroll. But the con has stages to it. Stages. The perpetrator of a confidence trick is referred to the con artist or the con man or the grifter. There's the short con and the long con. Now let's leave the short con out. That's got nothing to do with what we're talking about in politics. We're talking about the long con. And guess where the long con, the long con was established? Oh, it was established in Great Britain, in England. This is an English concept. It goes with slavery, drugs, and piracy. It goes with the great substrate of the con, Malthus, that there's a shortage of food relative to population, which causes starvation, which is not true. And Darwin, who came up with the origin of the species, which replaced Genesis as the substrate for everybody's thinking. Before Darwin, everybody looked at the creation myth of Genesis, which was God's world. Darwin had a replacement for Genesis. It was the origin of the species. And the crown spread that out through every university in the world, such that the survival of the fittest, the survival of the fittest within the context of a gap between population and supply, which means the fittest are fighting to survive. You see how those work together? And Spencer operationalized it into social Darwinism, so cultures are fighting to survive. This is a scam. This is a con. It's been going on for a very long time. It's justifying the British business model of slavery, drugs, and piracy. And we talked on the Professor Penn podcast, and please go back and look at it, and please subscribe, and please be part of the Professor Penn community, which is part of the Free People radio community, which is part of the Please Call Me Crazy community. We talked a lot, a lot 
about that British intellectual tradition and how it ran into a, a, a young and vigorous America, that the British financialization of their economy and their far-flung empires started to bring about an end, an end of the Crown's empire and how President Roosevelt demanded that the English give up empire as part of our commitment to bail them out of their problem with the Germans in World War II. President Roosevelt, a great leftist, but a man who believed in God, forced Churchill to assign and promote the Atlantic Charter, which provided for the self-determination of all peoples. And this was England at the time had, uh, you know, Israel was a colony, India was a colony, Hong, these people had colonies everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And it was the United States of America and Franklin Roosevelt, President Roosevelt, that brought an end to the British colonial enterprise. But the crown wasn't done. We've talked about this. They infiltrated our intellectual centers of higher learning. They put our professors on their payroll, and they infected all of our elites with this same idea of Malthus and Darwin and Spencer. And very soon they had gone to a 2.0 version of slavery, drugs, and piracy. Well, let's talk about the, the long con. The first thing you have to do, and you know, scholars have you know, identified these different stages. The first thing you have to do is called foundation work. Foundation work. Preparations are made in advance of the con including the hiring of any assistance required and studying the background knowledge needed for the role. Well, in this con, this long con, the fundamental group was called the Club of Rome. The Club of Rome was established in 1968. And this was a, a, a group of scholars that formulated a philosophy. They were on someone's payroll. That would be the Crown's payroll. Central to the formation of the club was the concept of the problematique. It was the, this, this was an opinion that viewing the problems of humankind, environmental deterioration, poverty, ill health, urban blight, criminality, viewing each one of these problems individually or in isolation, or in isolation they couldn't be solved on their own terms. To solve any of these problems individually was doomed to failure, another scam. They were all, they were, this, this Club of Rome said these problems are all interrelated. That, and this is a quote, it is, it is this generalized meta problem which we have called and shall continue to call the problematic and that is inherent in our situation. In other words, the problems were so big, they needed a global solution. And of course, the biggest problem was what they called the limit to growth. This was something the Club of Rome published in 1972, and it was a rehash of the Malthus Darwinian concept, updated, adding in a little mathematics and some computer modeling. And uh, let me just summarize, summarize what the club came up with. You're going to love this. This is right out of their literature. You can look it up. Please do your own research because you have to see it for yourself. Listen for this. This is called. The, the foundation, the foundation. you got to lay the foundation, the foundation of the scam. 
the foundation of the con. Listen to the foundation. Every state has been so used to classifying its neighbors as friend or foe that the sudden absence of traditional adversaries has left governments and public opinion with a great void to fill. This was written in the 60s, in the first turning after World War II, when there was a great effort to bring peace forth, that peace was actually thought of as a human right, because when you kill 88 million people in five years, hey, that, that's got a, a reaction, and that reaction was peace. And there was, you know, there was an effort to damp down the enemy thing, the demonization of the other thing. Every state has been so used to classifying its neighbors as friend or foe that the sudden absence of traditional adversaries have left governments and public opinion with a great void to fill. And let us not forget that the Crown loved to turn people against each other because if you can get two groups fighting, it's easy to steal all their shit while they're trying to kill each other. And that was what the British, British colonial enterprise was all based on, getting Muslims to fight with Hindus, getting Shias to fight with Sunnis, to getting, uh, you know, the uh, enslavers to fight with the uh, Protestants. Just get everybody fighting, and a small group of people can rule the world. That was the British philosophy. These people did not believe in God. They did not believe in treating their neighbors as they wished to be treated. They were Darwinists. They were Darwinists, and they were completely given over to Darwinism, the survival of the fittest. Their theory was, if they were strong enough to make me a slave, that proved I should be a slave. Hey, great philosophy. Nice group of people, weren't they? Listen to where they went with this. In searching for a common enemy against whom we can unite, we, that'd be the Club of Rome, came up with the idea of pollution. And they're telling us about their scam here because they're intellectuals. They have to write it all down. The threat of global warming, water shortages, famine, and the like would fit the bill. In their totality and in their interactions, these phenomena do constitute a common threat which must be confronted by everyone together. But in designating these dangers as the enemy, we fall into the trap which we have already warned readers about, namely mistaking symptoms for causes. All these dangers are caused by human intervention into natural processes and it is only through changed attitudes and behaviors that they can be overcome. The real enemy, then, is humanity itself. Or as I say about my children, they love the earth so much they hate people. Not an accident. The Crown funded a group which laid the foundation work of the long con. The long con. Phase one, the foundation. Phase two, the approach. A victim is approached or contacted. And who did they contact? Young people in school because they were vulnerable and naive. Because the crown had the intellectual establishment turning out more and more teachers that had been brainwashed. So they spread this approach out to all the young people. And I have to tell you, this has been going on for a very long time. I was in fifth grade in the 60s, and my fifth grade report was on air pollution. Air pollution in London, of all places, because there was all kinds of documentation about air pollution in London. How interesting. That'd be London, England. That'd be the seat of the crown, of the colonial empire, of the funder of the Long Con. And why did they fund it? Because they'd lost their colonial empire. 
They had lost their colonial empire to the Atlantic Charter, and they didn't want to give it up. They liked being king, or as they say, it's good to be king. They wanted to make a comeback, and because they didn't have the money or the, well, they had the money. They just didn't have the political juice to be an empire because the world was waking up for an empire. They had to come up with a whole new con. Think about it. Empire is a con, right? They're convincing the world that if they're strong enough to make me a slave, that proves I should be a slave. That's a little bit different than Jesus, isn't it? Love your neighbor as yourself. Come on, they had to overcome Christianity. That's who these people are. What would that make them if they're working against Christianity? Tanner, that would make them antichrist, right? Yeah, it's kind of weird for people that don't believe in God to say, wow, look at the outer contours of this thing. Seems rather spiritual, doesn't it? Even though we don't, maybe in a certain generation, have a lot of faith, that's because your faith's been ripped away from you by experts so that you're lost and alone and hopeless. That's why you're a doomer. All we have to do is pray. If you're a doomer, all you have to do is pray, thank you, God, for making me faithful and stay on that path, and I'm going to guarantee it's going to work. And if you listen to these people, the con men, what's going to work is they're going to kill you because let me finish their con off, and I'm going to tell you why I know it's a con. You have to pay off. You have to have a payoff. So now we've had the approach. You know, we've got all these people learning about they love the earth so much that they hate people, but you got to give them a payoff. they got to have a payoff. What's the payoff? In... In social media, you get accepted if you follow the narrative. If you follow this narrative and you're a young person, hey, if you're a young per- young person and you say this environmentalism is a scam, you're going to get ostracized. You're going to be isolated. You're going to be cast out because the older people haven't done enough of our work to give you cover to tell the truth. So young people get the payoff. They get the payoff of being accepted. And then there's certain people, of course, that are promoting these environmental ideas, these environmental businesses, and the government's paying them off with big money, big money. So there's a payoff. We're setting up the long con. And now here comes, we're at the moment right now today of what scholars call in the long con the hurrah. What's the hurrah? Listen to this. You're going to recognize it right away. The sudden manufactured crisis or change of events that forces the victim to act or make a decision immediately. Wow. That would sound like a crisis that forced everybody into digital currency, thereby taking all of our shit away from us. Isn't that interesting? The hurrah. A sudden manufactured crisis or change of events which forces the victims, that would be us, to act or make a decision immediately. This is the point at which the con succeeds or fails. That's the spot we're at. That's the moment we're at. Now, they add something here. This is why I know it's a con. I didn't, I I mean, I've known this as a con for a while because, I don't know, eight, ten years ago, they started coming up with this thing called ESG, Envirus Social and Corporate Governance. It's an approach to investing that recommends taking environmental issues and social issues and governance issues into account when deciding which companies to invest in. ESG, Environment, 
social corporate governance investing. And when I heard this the first time, and I remember who exposed it to me, and she was a scam, I knew it was a scam because she's a scam. So as soon as this person that I knew was into this, I knew there was a scam afoot. I knew there was a scam because this person that I knew was prone to get involved in cults, a damaged human being. I knew it was a scam. I knew asking for people to invest in companies that were governed by environmental and social corporate concerns. I knew, it just doesn't make sense because I'm in business. I know business people. Business people don't give a about the environment or society. They're narcissists in this extreme. They're narcissists. And you know, they're still considered narcissists. Go back and look at AOC about two years ago, she said, people that own businesses are mentally ill. She let the truth out of the bag. You can't have it both ways. The bar door, it, either these people that lead our businesses are highly ethical and have sacred honor, and they're doing everything that they can do for everybody else but themselves. They no longer care about profit. Or they're mentally ill narcissists that only care about themselves. It can't be both, AOC. AOC screwed up. I'm going to play that. Let's get that AOC clip in here next time. we got to follow up with that. Because she actually said that business people are goofy. They're self-interested. They don't care. Elizabeth Warren said the same thing. These people are not very good at this. That's the problem with the con. You get people that are socialists that don't think before they talk. Like the Godfather. When the Godfather said to, you know, Salazzo about his son, he talks when he should listen. That's what we have. But thank God for that because now we're listening to what these dummies are saying. And what they're saying is actually business people are self-interested. So this in and in, this is when a conspirator in the con who has assumed the role of bystander puts an amount of money into the same scheme as the victim in, 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 an, in, in an appearance to add an appearance of legitimacy. I want you to think, this is why I know this is a scam. Because all this climate and all this social equity stuff is being pumped into my kids. And people my age just don't accept this. And then all of a sudden, every major business in the world is into this ESG thing. And I thought to myself, what is this? And I actually said to myself, what kind of scam is this? What it was, it's called the in and in. I'll read it again. This is why I know we're in the long con. A conspirator in on the con, but assuming the role of interested bystander, that would be corporations, big ones, puts an amount of money, which they're doing, into the same scheme as the victim, because we're being asked to give up everything we have for the earth. We're being asked to love the earth more than ourselves. So, of course, the corporations have to come in. They're in on the scam, because why are they in on the scam? They're taking all our money away and all our freedom away, and they're turning us into inventory. It's 2.0 of slavery, drugs, and piracy. We're in a long con. We're in con 2.0. Classic con stages. A conspirator in on the con, but assuming the role of an interested bystander, 
puts an amount of money into the same scheme as the victim to add an appearance of legitimacy. And this is the moment where the con works or doesn't work. That's why we're asking to spread the information out. Because when people realize they're getting scammed, when a Nobel Prize physics laureate of 2022, a man named Dr. John Clauser, slams the climate emergency narrative as, quote, a dangerous corruption of science that threatens the world's economy and the well-being of billions of people. And he's immediately deplatformed. Deplatformed. I mean, hell, this could get deplatformed. Because when you come and you let out the truth that there were in a con, we're just ripping the con off all these people. They're con artists. And what are they trying to accomplish? They're trying to take everything we have away from us and then kill us. That's what they're doing. It's a con to take all of our things away, all of our money away, every, every shred of net worth away, and then after they've taken everything away from us, have us under their control, and then reduce our population. It's quite a con. These people are ambitious, right? They're depending on our naivete, and they're dependent on our greed. And how does the greed part fit into it? How does the greed part fit into it? Well, that'd be social equity. See, these things are working together like the Twin Towers of Doom. On the one hand, they've been telling kids since I was in fifth grade that pollution's going to kill everybody, and we have to change our life and get off of fossil fuels, in other words, deindustrialize, so everybody's poor and starving to death to save the earth. Otherwise, we're all going to die. If we don't do it, we're all going to die. That's the con, right? Well, how are you going to get people to give up everything they have? Because if you have something that's more than somebody else, you're participating in the injustices of the colonial period. Look at what happened to the poor people of color. Look what the white people did to these poor people of color. We've got to give up all of our advantage and have equity not net worth, which is what equity really means. They took the word away and turned it into everybody having the same thing. So if you have the fear of death and everybody has to give up everything, and if we give up everything, we have equity, social equity, we have a sustainable planet, now we got everybody conned. Conned into being poor, alone, and dependent on elites that intend to kill us. That's the con. That's the con. It's quite an ambitious con. And I'm going to say again, I know it's a con because these major corporations getting involved in this environmental social governance thing is a complete scam. These people couldn't care less about the environment. They couldn't care less about social equity. It's all about them. The whole thing is a fugazi. It is a hypocritical they're hypocrites, right? They don't care about me. They only care about themselves. The con's going to break down now. we got to spread this out through our crowdsourcing, informational sharing strategy. Get the word out to everybody we know. I'm going to come back to this con. This is not a one-term pass. This is a classic con. The con artists are our elites their goal is to take everything we have away from us and then clip us out. And how do we know it? 
because they got the in and out move being made by corporations, which is completely disingenuous. We know it. They don't care about us, these corporate leaders. Unbelievable. I'm going to let this sink in for a second. Let it sink in. So when I'm talking about this con, when I'm laying in bed thinking about it at night, I'm going to tell you, I freak out. I freak out. I freak out. I can't sleep. Or if I do sleep, I sleep fitfully and I sweat. And that's why I want to just take a second talking about the Patriot Economy and our sponsor, our new sponsor, Ghostbed. Ghostbed is working with materials, materials that cool my sleep. I'm getting into it. All of their products have this proprietary materials that cool you off. They have all the accoutrement, accoutrement for your bedroom. They have pillowcases and pillows and sheets. They got that mattress, that very comfortable mattress to restore our sleep, so critical to our well-being. And, you know, when I'm, when I'm struggling with all these issues, I need that extra support, and I bet you need it too. So please go to ghostbed.com, put in upper slash Royce, use the promo code Royce for 40% off, 40% off on the entire catalog of products that are available from Ghostbed. I'm into it. I'm asking you to get into it. We need it. We need our sleep. So I want to thank Ghostbed for sponsoring us. I want to thank you for supporting our sponsors. Let's get that good circulation going so we have a political economy that can support Truth Media. If you knew you were being conned, I salute you. Professor Penn is getting more and more in touch with how deep this con rolls, how sophisticated these con artists are. And all we have to do to win is reveal their con. That's why there's such a great effort to control information, the control of information. But they can't control you and I talking to each other. They can't control you talking to your neighbor or your brother or your child or a cousin and asking them to spread the information out. We have to get this information right in our heads so that we can sell it because politics is a lot about selling, selling ideas, sharing ideas. We call it sharing, but if I don't do a good job sharing it with you, you're not going to uptake it. You're going to say, that was clumsy. I got to get better at sharing this idea. I'm practicing, and thank you for indulging my practice. We're going to work the next time on the Professor Penn podcast because God willing, Royce is going to be back in the saddle on Wednesday. We're going to be working on the messaging that's necessary to overcome this con. But as a preview, as a preview, let's just talk in the few minutes we have left about some key words that were hijacked by the con artists. One of the words is the welfare, the word of welfare. Welfare means well-being. It's in our founding documents indicating the well-being of the people. As a spiritual concept, the general welfare, our government is to provide uh, some of the facility to provide for the general welfare. Not responsible for it. We as individuals are responsible for our welfare. But the government's not going to get in the way of that. And somehow along the way, and I'm going to refine that idea for you, but somewhere along the way, some very brilliant academic said, we're going to take that word welfare, which means well-being, 
and we're going to turn it into a materialist government program where the government gives money to the people and makes them dependent on government. So instead of the general welfare where people are dependent on themselves for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the general welfare, instead of a, a, a self, a process of self, it became a collective process. It went from a spiritual process to a material process and from an individual process to a collective, collective, a collective process. And they rob that keyword, and people don't even know what welfare means anymore. We got to reclaim that word. Here's another word that I've said many times: equity. Equity means the value of my shares in the enterprise, what I'm worth financially, what I am worth, what is the value of my holdings, how many sheep and oxen do I possess, my equity. And that's been turned into equity. We're all the same. They turn the word on its head. They turn the word on its head, just like welfare. Welfare was a spiritual concept, flipped it on its head, made it a material concept. Equity was about what I had, flipped it on its head, made everybody the same. These are not accidents. These are specific and targeted attacks on the fundamental keywords that underlie the culture of America. You have to be an anthropologist to do something like that. You have to be trained in organizational systems, in cultural anthropology. It doesn't happen by accident. And I say that because I know who some of these people are. Yes, I do. I know them. They systematically have gone about undermining our culture to run this con so that I lose everything that I have and 85% of our people, our fellow American citizens, have already lost everything they have. So if you're in that group, support that patriot economy. Because I'm going to tell you that this new politics that we're working on is about the well-being of the American people. It's about the well-being of every one of us. And if we form this community, when, not if, as we form this community, because I believe I've received it, when, when, this when this community is formed and is politically potent and we elect the young leaders that we need into our political institutions and they go there with sacred honor, this con's over and the benefit of being an American citizen is going to again be spread out widely through our society such that all of us have well-being. And on that note, I want to thank you for joining me it's my pleasure to host Please Call Me Crazy. I want to thank Royce White for choosing me to do so. I personally am looking forward to his return later in this week. I'll be looking forward to watching him, and I hope you do too. Thank you very much for joining.